You are listening to Bitcoin, Blockchain and the Technologies of Our Future with Naomi Brockwell. The Indianapolis area hospital operating without computers today. It's all because of a cyber attack. Another day, another cyber attack. Computer malware is a huge problem. The business will fall victim to a ransomware attack every 11 seconds in 2021. Ransomware is just one kind of malware. And it can do things like encrypt your beloved cat photos and demand that you pay up or have it be lost forever. Colonial Pipeline paid nearly $5 million in ransom to hackers who infiltrated their system. Malicious bots can turn your computer into a minion, participating in a DDoS or spam attack. A DDoS attack sends large volumes of traffic to specific servers to shut them down. Viruses and worms can use your infected computer to infect other computers with malware. Spyware can monitor everything you do. Is the NSA secretly installing spyware on your desktop computer? And crypto-jacking software steals your computer's processing power in order for the attacker to mine crypto at your expense. If that website is hosting malware, it could now start using your laptop resources. This is just scratching the surface. So how can you prevent yourself from becoming a victim? Well, antivirus software immediately comes to mind. McAfee, a barely passable virus scanning program that updates at the worst possible time. That's a compelling advertisement, but is antivirus software really all that it's cracked up to be? Let's look at a more serious definition, and may that beautiful man rest in peace. Antivirus software is a type of utility used for scanning and removing viruses from your computer. These companies make products which target not just viruses, but also worms, trojans, and more. Different types of malware have different ways of spreading and doing damage to your computer. But for the sake of simplicity, we'll refer to all of these bad software programs with the umbrella term malware and look at anti-malware software in general. How does anti-malware work and what are the pros and cons? One way is it scans your file system using signature-based detection. In other words, it can check whether the file in question looks like malware. Each executable file is itself a unique pattern of information, similar to a human fingerprint. By comparing these digital patterns to already known patterns for malware, a signature-based anti-malware system can spot it and disable it. This is a great and simple way to target malware, but the downside is that it requires that the malware has already been discovered. So if there's novel malware targeting you, these protections aren't much use. Also, hackers can sometimes fool the anti-malware by rearranging the different pieces of the malware source code in order for it to look like something new when in reality is pretty much the same thing. As you can see, we managed to bypass all antivirus programs except for one. This method of protection also requires that your anti-malware software has an up-to-date signature list. Ideally, the anti-malware program will update these automatically, but check the fine print of your program to make sure that the updates actually happen, because new malware signatures can come out daily and up-to-date signature lists are critical for your anti-malware program to do its job. <laughs> Want my autograph. Another way that anti-malware software can work is via anomaly-based detection. It has set behaviors that it recognizes as normal. And if there are anomalies that act outside this scope, then the anti-malware will quarantine or remove those files. Anomaly-based anti-malware detection can only help you if the malware does something deemed suspicious. But the malware may be designed to do nothing anomalous at first, and then later execute malicious actions after it has passed under the radar. Also, 
sometimes these anti-malware programs can falsely accuse normal software of being malicious. One category which is at risk is cryptocurrency mining. However, before you go adding a miner to your anti-malware exceptions list, be sure that you trust the source of the software. Anti-malware can also act as a second layer of protection in the event that the attacker uses social engineering to trick you into downloading malware. If you click on a fishy link and it infects your computer with a virus, a good anti-malware program should generally be able to stop it, despite your own mistakes as a user. However, it is always better to never get infected in the first place. And finally, some anti-malware software monitors all of your activities as a way of creating new ways to stay ahead of the bad guys. You probably don't want to allow an anti-malware company to see everything you do on your computer. For example, in order for an anti-malware program to detect malware sent to and from your device, it needs to be able to decrypt and analyze your HTTPS traffic. This means that the company is literally spying on your data sent over the internet, even when it's supposed to be encrypted. This data may even be up for sale, depending on the anti-malware company's privacy policy. And generally, antivirus software typically needs access to inspect every single file on your computer. Giving any software that level of access is a big privacy concern. Some other issues to think about when using anti-malware software. The anti-malware software acts as an admin or root user, meaning that if it does get hacked, it automatically has the keys to your computational kingdom and can literally do anything it wants with your computer. Anti-malware software can also slow down your computer, especially if you're subscribed to advanced features. Linus Tech Tips compared different anti-malware software and how fast the computer ran with it installed. Workloads were almost across the board slower with anti-malware running than without. Finally, some anti-malware software may actually be malware itself. By Risk IQ found about 11% of the antivirus apps on Google Play were potentially malicious. There are many fake anti-malware programs out there that made money for the attackers by scamming users into buying more fake protection for their computer. Using anti-malware software requires a lot of trust. So what's the consensus? Do the potential pros outweigh the cons? Some computer security experts that I talked to about this said that they wouldn't touch antivirus software because most of it is spyware. Other computer security experts I talked to said that from a corporation standpoint, having some sort of endpoint security for desktops, laptops, and mobile devices is a no-brainer. Organizations are often at risk of being targeted by nation states, hackers, organized crime, and even insider threats. And things like antivirus software part of the front line of cybersecurity. Freedom of the Press Foundation usually has great recommendations for privacy and security products on their website, but I noticed that they didn't mention any recommended anti-malware products. I reached out to David Huerta, digital security trainer at the Freedom of the Press Foundation, and he said that these days, antivirus software is so complex with a ton of moving parts that the increased attack surface makes it too difficult to determine if the product is safe to use or if it's doing something detrimental to your privacy. For that reason, they've been unable to recommend any products. There is antivirus software, which is much simpler in scope and focuses just on the original function of antivirus software, like scanning files, looking for ones known to be malicious. But things like this are considered a little redundant these days, now that most computers have antivirus built in. Windows has a built-in anti-malware program called Windows Security, formerly Windows Defender. 
Windows offers most of the same antivirus protections out of the box that one would get from third-party antivirus software, and at no additional cost. It can be set up to perform different levels of scanning, on demand or on a schedule. Macs have a built-in anti-malware system called Gatekeeper, which is designed to make sure that by default, only trusted software runs on a user's Mac. It checks if the app you're trying to install is signed by Apple and came from the correct app developer, and if it's not signed, it may be blocked from being installed, although you can manually override this. They also have something called notarization, where Apple scans software for known malware and if none is found, issues a notarization ticket. Finally, they have XProtect, which is signature-based malware detection. These built-in protections provide a pretty robust defense against common malware. If you're very careful and you look at every email attachment and link with suspicion, you might be okay with just the defaults. If you're not that savvy, antivirus does have utility, because it knows when something installed on your device is malware, even if you don't. For example, you may be tricked into installing software that seems legitimate, but turns out to have a hidden purpose. Like Zoom software that was actually bundled with a hidden crypto miner. Another use case for antivirus might be if you're a journalist whose job is to open files from strangers all day. Additional protection might make sense for you, but this doesn't necessarily have to come in the form of antivirus software. Choosing which operating system you use can make a big difference to the security of your machine. Let's compare some of the major operating systems. Microsoft Windows has historically been the target of the lion's share of desktop malware. Some say that it's due to Windows being initially designed with security merely as an afterthought. But a common assessment is that it has more to do with Windows popularity, which makes it a bigger, more lucrative OS to target. A big reason that Mac OS is more secure than Windows is that Apple mostly forces you to run Mac OS on devices that they select. Having an operating system support many different machines leads to a great deal of complexity and widely different levels of software and firmware security. And there will be more hardware or driver and firmware exploits. Having uniform devices designed specifically for the Mac OS operating system eliminates a lot of these quirks by creating a smaller attack surface. As Windows Snyder, computer security expert says, simpler is easier to secure. Simpler is, is very often better. Mac OS also encourages users via UI and policy to be more secure by default. As mentioned, systems like Gatekeeper warn you when you run untrusted content on Macs, and this has a big impact in terms of preventing the users from installing potential malware. Mac OS is also a lot less popular than Windows, which means less hackers targeting it. But as Mac OS gets more popular, people spend more time exploiting it. Linux users sometimes make memes about how Linux does not need anti-malware software. We, we don't do that here. Linux is an open-source, Unix-based OS. Open-source, in theory, means more eyes on the code that can potentially find vulnerabilities. But there are limitations to this. The code not only has to be scrutinizable, but it also has to be simple enough that someone can reason about it. As hardware security expert Bunny Huang once told me, I have the full source code for Linux. Can I say it's secure? That thing was just a hairball, right? I can't imagine how hard it is to, to audit what it is now today. But despite this, it still presumes that more people reviewing the code does lead to fewer bugs or backdoors. 
Linux has also historically been the domain of geeks and nerds who are likely smart enough to practice cybersecurity best practices with more diligence than your typical Windows or Mac user. Another reason why Linux might be more secure is again due to its popularity. It has an extremely small amount of desktop users compared to Windows and Mac. But Linux is not a uniform system. There are lots of different distributions and they address security concerns differently. There's Tails, specifically designed to have great security and privacy by default, and it runs from a USB flash drive. We have a tutorial explaining how to set it up. But there's also Cubes OS, which along with Tails is recommended by Snowden. There are also a bunch of Linux variants that aim to make Linux easier for the everyday non-technical user, like Ubuntu, Mint, Elementary, OS, Fedora, and Pure OS, to name a few. Hackers will probably start building more malware for Linux once it gains more market share. Chrome OS gets its own section, even though it's technically based on Linux. Chrome OS is the operating system that the Google Chromebook runs on. Chrome? Isn't that a browser? Yes, it is, but Google developed its own desktop OS, and a huge part of their marketing campaign is their built-in virus protection, so you can focus on what you need to do instead of installing third-party security software. Being based on Linux gives it a good start in this department. It also sandboxes programs so that any infection in one is unable to spread to the other parts of the system. And it has a verified boot process, which checks to make sure that the OS itself has not been changed by malware. The obvious downside to Chrome OS is that it's a Google product, and Google has a terrible track record when it comes to privacy. But for those who like Chrome OS but dislike Google, there is an open source version of it called Chromium OS. So to summarize operating systems, Windows is the most insecure, Mac is better and good for mainstream users, and Linux is the most secure and getting more user-friendly all the time. Choosing a secure system is an important step in malware protection. Even something as hyper-secure as Tails is really helpful if you have to open random files as part of your job. So what are the best protections against malware and how important is antivirus or anti-malware software in the mix? First takeaway. The antivirus software built into most systems is probably sufficient for most people, but it relies on your operating system being kept up to date at all times. Almost all ransomware stories involve computers running extremely outdated versions of Windows. So keep your operating system updated and also keep all your apps up to date. Additional antivirus can be helpful for added protection. If you're less savvy on your computer and there's a high risk that you would do something to compromise your machine, then it may be a good idea to use one of the more popular antivirus softwares, understanding the trade-off with privacy that may occur. Use at your own risk. The best protection against malware, though, is being smart about how to use your machine. Avoid clicking links in emails or installing software unless you absolutely trust it. Use a firewall to prevent certain types of connections from being made to your device. Use a password manager. Regularly back up your computer. If you use a Mac, absolutely set up Time Machine because it provides snapshots of the device going back years that you can reinstall if something does infect your machine. There are similar backups systems for Windows and Linux. You can even keep two backups so that one is always offline. It's a helpful defense against ransomware. There is no need to pay to unencrypt your disk if you have multiple backups. The final tip for avoiding malware, operate using the principle of least privilege, which means only grant the absolute minimum permissions necessary to users and apps. 
For example, if your text editor is demanding access to your camera and your location, then something is probably wrong. If you have an intern who only needs to work with files within their own user account on a computer, do not grant them root access. Not only could the intern turn malicious, but they are also a target for phishing. Computer security is an ever-evolving field, and when it comes to anti-malware software, it's a very complex gray area given the wide variety of anti-malware products on offer and potential privacy trade-offs of these. But hopefully this information is helpful as you assess your own personal situation and make choices that are suitable to your risk profile and skill set. If you're looking for ransom, I can tell you I don't have money, but what I do have are a very particular set of skills. I'm a Bitcoin fan and I'm scaring